I'm Anna, a young university student. And I'm Marissa, a middle-aged palliative care doctor. And it might seem like we don't have that much in common. But we're both really passionate about climate change. And we're mother and daughter. So welcome to Green Girl Talk. So for today's feature focus, we're going to talk about paper. And I guess the thought just popped into my mind for a few reasons. Um, One thing being one of the things that I do buy new and not used is books. And so thinking about paper in that regard. And then in a previous episode, we've been talking about um, whether or not you can recycle paper towels, which we don't use anyways, but you can't if they have food or chemicals on them. So yeah, I was just thinking a lot about paper, so we decided to research it. And what'd you find out, Anna? One of the things I thought was interesting is that the pulp and paper industry is one of the largest energy consumers and one of the largest greenhouse gas and pollutant emitters among manufacturing industries. I don't know, that just seems surprising. Right. And I was also surprised, I didn't really know how paper was made. Okay. I just imagined them like cutting wood really. <laughs> I don't know, but right. um, they use a lot of water, yeah, which I didn't know. So that obviously contributes to right. bad things after they after you know because that water can't be used for other things. That fresh, clean water that they use, and then that water is polluted and goes back into the environment, polluted and needs to be cleaned again to be used. Yeah. And I also found that Canada has one of the world's largest supplies of well-managed, high-quality conifer wood fiber. Okay. So basically, it seems like Canada does very well with making paper as well as you can for the environment. Okay. I'm a little worried about it, but... (laughs) Well, what I found out was that... um, uh, most, um, I, <laughs> I was looking into toilet paper. I'll mm-hmm. get into that in a little bit. But most toilet paper in the U.S. comes from old growth northern forests in Canada, where logging camps clear cut more than a million acres of the boreal forests every year. And these uh, forests are home to more than 600 communities of indigenous people whose way of life is being threatened there. And I know that in Canada, certainly there are a lot of tree planting programs, but I mean, it's a big difference between cutting down old growth trees and planting new little saplings that are going to take, you know, many, many, many years to be able to pull as much carbon uh, out of the carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. Um, and then they're, when they're planted, they're really like monogrowth planting, and so that's not as good as the forests. And in the meantime, what are the indigenous people supposed to do? Like, they can't live in these little tiny tree houses. <laughs> uh, well, one of the things that I was looking into is the Forest Stewardship Council. Okay. And they kind of monitor forests, and you can get approved by them. And is that a Canadian or an international? That is an international thing. There's oh, okay. a Canadian section of it. Okay. Um, and when you buy stuff, some of it has the little... Their little logo. A logo. It, oh, I think okay. it's just an F, so F should and a C with a circle. That. I'm I'm pretty sure I've seen it on stuff that we have. Okay. So it was created in 1994, so it's not super old. 
Right. I guess that is a long time ago now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and their mission is to promote environmentally appropriate, socially beneficial, and economically viable management of the world's forests. So I was looking at how you become certified. Okay. They have 10 principles and 70 criteria that apply to FSC certified forests around the world. And I'm not going to read all of those things, (laughs) but some of their basic ideas that I thought were good. They value conservation of the whole forest. So, because you said like a mono crop type thing, but they do value having a normal ecosystem with a like a lot of diversity. Yeah. Um, They also, this isn't really climate change related, but they value workers' rights Uh so that the workers have. But I'd say that is climate change related because Mm -hmm. climate justice and social justice go hand in hand. (laughs) (laughs) They also said stuff about community relations. So whatever city it's in, having a good relationship with all the people who live there still. And they did have stuff about indigenous rights there and not wanting to like disturb indigenous communities okay. which I thought was really good alright um, and that's some of the good stuff they had on their website they said that forest certification has been increasing in the last 20 years and the graph it was really going up hmm. so that's really great and in 2019 Canada had 35% of the world's certified forest area and that is 168 million hectares okay I don't know how big a hectare is, but that sounds like a lot. But to put that in perspective on the graph, the next country only had 60 million hectares of certified forest, and that was Russia. So that is way less. Yeah. So Canada was the number one. Oh, nice. And then the U.S. was third with 39 million. Okay. And then it really went down. Down. Yeah. Good. Well, that makes me feel a bit better. Um, and definitely, you know, something that we can be active about is looking for that certification mm-hmm. on paper. Oh, I actually just realized something. Yeah. <laughs> Those are also, like, the three biggest countries. Right. So they're more Well, yeah, forest. but, I mean, you think about some of the countries in South America that have, like, rainforests and stuff. That's true. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, some of the stuff I found out, um, like you said, I mean, the manufacturing... Uh, of paper does release um, a lot of chemicals into the environment, not only greenhouse gases, uh, but also uh, gases like nitrogen dioxide and sulfur dioxide that cause acid rain. Um, The U.S. uh, consumes 30% of all the paper products globally, um, a total of 680 pounds per person each year. it's, so then I was really interested in, like, what about recycling paper? Like, how, mm-hmm. how effective is that? Um, and it seems like it's pretty helpful. So it, it takes 70% less energy and water to recycle paper than to create new paper. Oh. So it's not that it doesn't take any energy or chemicals, but it definitely takes a lot less. And in general, uh, paper can be recycled six or seven times before the fibers become just mm-hmm. too short and can't be recycled anymore. So it can't be recycled indefinitely, but it can be uh, recycled a good number of times. Um, I was a little worried about you know, the fact that, that when you cut down trees, you cut down something that's pulling carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere, but at least paper itself stores carbon for the lifetime oh. of the paper 
the paper. I mean, if you burn it, it releases the carbon mm-hmm. dioxide. Or if it decomposes in a landfill, it's even worse worse because it can relate, release methane, which is even worse for in terms of a greenhouse gas. Um, but um, then I sort of got off on a tangent because uh-huh. <laughs> I started thinking about, uh, you know, how could we recycle more paper or use less paper? And I thought, well, what, what kind of paper things do we use in books, right? And, and I'm not very good about buying used books, but I do donate all my books. Um, so books can be not, not even just recycled, but reused, mm-hmm. which obviously is even better. Um, you just got a, what's it called, a rocket book or something? Yeah, for taking I was going to talk on. about that in the tips. Okay, so we'll leave that. Um, so, and paper towels I don't use, but I thought about toilet paper. Yeah. Right. Because toilet paper goes into the water system, and then what? It's not, like, recycled, right? Um, so interesting to know, toilet paper was only invented 150 years ago. So before that, through all human history, people didn't use toilet paper. <laughs> so like now we think it's essential mm-hmm. and it's like, oh my God, it's a pandemic and what if we run out of toilet paper? But I guess people lived without it for all that time. So that's time. like 1857 was the first toilet paper. What did they do before right. that? Just use cloth and wash it? I don't know. I guess they used cloth or they used leaves. <laughs> or they, I, I don't know, but they clearly had lots of other means of huh. taking care of it. Um, so, yeah, so when you flush toilet paper down the toilet, um, by the time the water gets to, like, a water treatment facility, a lot of the toilet paper has actually biodegraded, mm-hmm. um, but some of it does get pulled out um, and put into a landfill, so it's not great in that. Um, but to me, sort of the bigger concern with the toilet paper is just that, you know, how many trees are cut down all the time to make toilet paper, right? Because you always have to have new toilet paper. Um, And um, so I was looking at, you can get toilet paper made from recycled. It's not recycled toilet paper, it's recycled other paper. So that's a good thing to do. Um, And then the last thing I looked at was the bamboo option. And bamboo option seems pretty good in terms of toilet paper because uh, bamboo grows back in five years to its full height, so it is really renewable. Um, So that's good. The only down thing is almost all bamboo products come from China, and so the travel and transport distance is not great. But anyways, the end result of it all is... From now on, when I buy toilet paper, I'm going to look at the label and try and buy toilet paper made from recycled paper or from bamboo. And I think we should think about getting a bidet. (laughs) For the tips today, I'm going to try to relate them all back to reducing paper. I have not written anything down, so it might be a little scattered. uh, scattered. Um, But I think for reducing paper a lot of it is hard because it's just I don't know the things I thought about immediately were note taking right. in a notebook or something I guess it's just because I'm a student mm-hmm. but I think writing things down by hand is definitely better than typing it I used to type all my notes mm. but I think for studying and stuff writing it down is a lot better okay and also I don't like to always be looking at a screen right so that's a hard one for yeah. me 
And then I was thinking things like reading, you said. Yeah. Obviously, using, like, a Kindle right. or a Kobo would be better. But, again, I don't like reading off of a screen. I like yeah. having an actual book. Um, I guess those were the two main things I thought about. Yeah. So, for the first one, um, if you have to still, like, use paper, I'd say make sure you use as much of the paper as possible. Like, because I don't want to call anyone out. But yeah. I do have one friend who writes in notebooks, and she doesn't use the left side of the page because then the like the spiral is right. on your wrist oh my and I just thought that was so annoying so I right. actually said something to her and I think she uses the other side okay. also because that's just so wasteful right. <laughs> um and even I used to not like if I was starting a new subject or it's like a new class I wouldn't want to start it in the middle of a page you yeah. always want a fresh page but I don't do that anymore okay because that's also wasteful. wasteful like who really cares yeah. um, so just try to use as much of the paper as possible and now I have the new thing you mentioned the rocket book yeah. which I haven't used it yet because I'm not taking class right now but I'm excited to use it so basically it's a book with I think it has like 35 pages the pages kind of feel like a thick magazine almost okay. I think and you write on it with a specific type of pen that they send you but you can also just buy these at staples and then you write in the book and then you can take a picture with your phone using their app and it will scan right to wherever you want it to go so you can assign google drive folders and then once you've used up all 35 pages you can just take a cloth a wet cloth and wipe it down and it can be reused again so i thought that was really cool mm -hmm. because like it it's like using a whiteboard but it won't smudge Right. And so obviously, yeah. it can take more stuff. You get the benefit of, like you said, you seem to learn better when you handwrite mm -hmm. versus typing, but then it, you can reuse it. Yeah, cool. so that's a really great. We could link yeah. the product. Sure. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. This sounds like an ad. <laughs> <laughs> this is not an ad. We'll have to think about and it. And then for the books, yeah. obviously, you said buy the muse yeah you can donate the books yeah which is important i don't think i've ever thrown out a book no i don't I know why you would ever the only thing sometimes that's hard is like school textbooks or i find are a bit harder yeah, to donate um but i'm sure there are websites where you could sell them mm -hmm. i've been seeing a lot of websites where you can buy used textbooks and stuff lately oh, right. also that's a good money saver if yes, you're a student textbooks true. are very overpriced true. buying used ones is better um, other paper things? Yeah. That's, I think that's all the tips I have for the paper. Also, definitely look up wherever you live the specific recycling right. rules. Because I was trying to look up in general, and yeah. it's really different for wherever you live. And, and if you haven't it. already gotten rid of paper towels in your kitchen and stuff, consider doing that. It's really easy to use rags or dishcloths or whatever, and then just throw them in the washing machine. So for today, Arts and Entertainment, I'm going to review a, a live performance piece that I attended this week on Zoom. Um, and the performance was called A Queer Response to Climate Change, What Would Walt Whitman Do? And it was performed by Peterson Toscano. And I think I've mentioned Peterson before. He is the host of one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Citizens Climate Radio. He also has another podcast that's uh, called Bubble and Squeak, and it's a little bit more <laughs> storytelling podcast than climate change, and it's definitely got a sense of humor to it. Um, and he, he's, he's a performance artist, and he is um, 
How does he describe himself? Queer, quirky, and Quaker. (laughs) He uh, approaches uh, his topics definitely with a sense of humor, and he does some uh, character bits. Um, And so, yeah, so he was talking sort of uh, in this uh, presentation, uh, Zoom presentation, which was the first one that I've ever been to a Zoom performance. There were about 90 people there, and um, he made it a bit interactive, which was nice, too, and it was kind of cool to see everybody else. Um, And he talked about the intersection of uh, climate change, with uh, people's identities and with social justice issues. Um, He talked about Walt Whitman, um, who, to be honest, I don't know a ton about, so I definitely learned about that. And um, I think poetry uh, is another art medium um, that's really important or could be important in climate change. Um, And basically, I think... um, you know, Peterson uh, has a lot of messages, a lot of really good messages about climate change. He does have some of his performances are available on YouTube. So you can look up that performance uh, on YouTube. I mean, it's not the, the exact Zoom one that he did with us, but he's done it on YouTube. He has other performances on YouTube as well that I would highly recommend. Um, so yeah, overall, I would say uh, check out Peterson Toscano on YouTube. Um, he's got several good performance art pieces that have to do with climate change. The good news today is kind of related back to paper. I was trying again to do it, but it's always a little tricky. Um, so again, I was thinking books. So I was trying to look into a lot of big publishing companies and seeing what they're doing in terms of climate change mm-hmm. things. So I think I looked at Penguin Random House. Okay. I looked at Simon & Schuster. I looked at another one, but I forget. The only one I could find stuff on was Penguin Random House, and they actually had a whole section on sustainability oh. stuff, so I, st- I thought that was good. Yeah. Simon & Schuster could not find anything. Right. <laughs> um, so Penguin Random House will be climate neutral by 2030, or they're going to try to be climate okay. neutral by 2030. It also said... I couldn't find any updates on this one, so I wasn't sure if I should include it, but it said that they wanted to, I think, have 100% recycled paper by 2020. Hmm. So I'm not sure if they've reached that goal, but I think it's still good that they're trying for such a big publishing company to be working towards a goal like that. That can't be easy. I agree. So that's great. I agree, because my publishers um, have been very climate active, but they're very small publishers, Mm -hmm. so it's different. Um, another thing I found, Old Spice and Secret, the deodorants, okay. <laughs> are going to have all paper, no, sorry, they have all paper, plastic-free deodorant packaging available oh. as of May 2020. I'm not, not, sorry, it's not like all of their packaging is no. all paper, but they have an option now. Uh, That's okay. all paper, plastic-free deodorant packaging. And I think it said it was available in Walmart. I'm not sure if it's in Canada yet. It's definitely in some locations in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And they said that if they convert 10% of their current deodorant packaging to recycled paper or another recycled material, it could eliminate up to 1.5 million pounds of plastic waste annually. Wow. Which is crazy. That, is Boy, cool. that means a lot of people buy their deodorant, <laughs> I guess. I guess, yeah. yeah. I, spe- I think Old Spice probably gets a lot more. Right. So I think that's really great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it's making me think oh. about our zero waste episode. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, we are lucky that we have, like, sort of a zero waste type store mm-hmm. near us. 
and I get my deodorant there, and it's like in a little glass jar, and it's refillable. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think they said this is kind of a trial for that, so if it sells a lot, they will put it in more stores, and they'll try to make it more sold so people if it's in a store you buy it yeah Um, and then the other thing I found is not paper related but I thought it was interesting being a mediaist so on August 3rd Sony Pictures announced new aggressive targets to be net to have net zero carbon emissions by 2050 wow they are eliminating single use plastic across business functions by 2025 so that's pretty close it's like five years and I think that includes, like, they want plastic water bottles, right. which I feel like is a huge thing yeah, in industry stuff. I yeah. Um, they're going to reduce greenhouse gas emissions by an additional 25% by 2025. And they're going to have an international expansion of the Sustainable Production Program. So that program is about their content creation. And I think it's about how on set they'll make production more sustainable kind hmm. of so i think that has things to do with um like building the sets oh, they'll okay. try to use better materials and stuff because right. i think a lot of the times they build them and it just gets knocked down at the yeah end. um and probably also like costumes right. the food transportation yeah i'm not sure exactly but apparently content creation accounts for approximately 25 percent of sony pictures carbon footprint so for them to work on that it's great really good yeah. excellent <laughs> and i was also thinking we could I don't know, this might be tricky, but if we could do an episode on, like, media production. Yeah, Yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope that you enjoyed it. And stay tuned for more. Bye.